Sorry, was it difficult? What plans do you have for eating tomorrow? Physically, you'll get up, you'll do what you do, you'll have either breakfast before you go to work or you'll eat breakfast on the go. Dinner time, you'll grab a sandwich, you'll do what you need to do. Tea time is tea time and if you make it to supper, you might do again, eat again. You'll have no problem thinking about how you're going to get fed tomorrow. But spiritually... There's no thought for tomorrow, there's only thought for today. I go to church today to be fed today. The Lord's asking you, what plans do you have tomorrow to eat? Some of you have no plans to eat and you'll only eat once a week. That's called malnutrition and you'll die. Spiritually, you will die if you only eat once a week. Now, you can only eat in the day that you're alive. We can't eat tomorrow, but we can plan for tomorrow. True? We can buy groceries for tomorrow, but if tomorrow doesn't come, Goldilocks and the three bears are going to eat your food. Yeah? So you have to plan how you're going going to eat. And this is what God is trying to build into the life of his church. Christians, matured Christians, who know how to eat and where to find food, when to eat and how to eat. No, many Christians do not have any thought about how they'll spiritually eat through the week. But they have a consciousness about Sunday. True? Do you know, if you, can, if you continue eating like that in the physical, you'd, you'd see the doctor more than you'd see me. It doesn't make sense to eat like that in the natural, does it? But we don't see the instant consequences when we do that spiritually. But they're there. They are there. So last time I spoke, I mean, last week, Emma spoke fantastic. And she, she really challenged us about uh, this, uh, the bow. Um, what was the, fr- the phrase before it? That's it, faulty bow. Thank you. The faulty bow. You know, we don't want to be people who carry faulty bows. Well, a good warrior knows when to eat. He appreciates the time to eat. A good warrior knows when it's time to eat, he eats, because he might go days on the battlefield without him eating. So when he does get the chance to eat, he eats. So she wonderfully last, last week gave us the three breakdowns of uh, you know, faithfulness, uh, and this is what I get challenged now, I can't, I'm trying to remember them. Faithfulness, commitment, and reliability. I, loyalty, sorry. I got one and a half out of three, so I was listening. I got notes. Uh, I thought it was wonderful what she said. And she challenged us before we go into battle that we must be those three kind of people. But I want to continue talking about living the days of heaven here on earth. This whole thing is consuming me. Because I'm believing that there's so many myths about heaven. So many Christians are expecting to die before they go to visit heaven or witness heaven or experience heaven. I was raised in a time and a generation where people told me that I could only experience God when I die. In fact, when I was speaking at the men's uh, camp this year in January up in Cumbria, this is the one thing that I got attacked for. Talking about an open heaven. 
This is the one thing. Little did I know that this was going to be the theme of my heart. So I'm glad I suffered a little bit of persecution. Because I I realized the value. Do you know what? This phrase keeps coming in my mind. Everybody knows the price of everything, but nobody knows the value of anything. Everybody's got the price of everything, but they don't know the value of anything. And we've got to understand the value of heaven in our lives. I'm not dying to go to heaven just yet. When I say diet, I mean physically. And I'm not urgently waiting to get to heaven. I, can, I know I can live heaven on the earth. Jesus died so heaven could live on the earth. Not so that we would die and live in heaven. That's, that's going to be one of the cases. But he died so that heaven could be brought down on earth and the kingdom of God could be expressed through you and through me. This is not the kingdom here. This is called the church. We're sat here this morning being fed, being nourished, being encouraged. This is not the kingdom. This is just one aspect of saints coming together. We take the kingdom out. We live Christ through our lives. We live it in your workplace. When you go to work, take the kingdom with you. People must see Christ. When you go back home to your family, some of you are going back to non-saved families, you take Christ and his kingdom back into the home. People must see the kingdom. The king. But if there's no kingdom in you, then they just see you. So when you try and tell them about Christ, they'll say, what? Become like you. What? You want me to be like you? <laughs> so we don't know. You know, people say, well, God, God lives in heaven. That's where he wants us to be. Who said he lives in heaven? Who said he lives in heaven? You said he lives in heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. Heaven lives inside him. Think of it. When God created the heavens and the earth, where did he live? Right, if God created the heavens and the earth, that means he was homeless. Heaven lives in him. That's why we come to God. Hello? Myth just been busted there, big time. Heaven lives inside because he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. Does that mean temporarily he's just going to be floating around anywhere, somewhere, nowhere? He's going to come and live at your... Can I stay at your house because I'm building? I'm having a renovation work. That's why the youth are in here this morning. They've been kicked out of their house and they're freeloading on our food this morning instead of Paul's food or Emma's food. And now they're, they're eating at our table, which is fine. It's the same table. Right? So that's God's going to come and live with the youth for a week. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm renovating. No. Heaven lives inside God. So myth number two is, well, he's building a mansion for me when I get there. I now go to prepare a place for you so that you may also be where I am. My father's house, there are many mansions. Oh, now God's into real estate. Do you honestly think God's building houses for us? Come on, think about this. What does he mean? If heaven is inside God, then God is bigger than heaven. Because the Bible says that even the heavens could not contain him. Right. So if heaven is inside God, then we're inside Christ. Christ and his father are together. We're inside. We're in. Okay, that means 
There's a dimension of God that he calls his home. Home. Mansion's the wrong translation. Home. We live with him, in him. We're in Christ. It's not a, it's not a temple built by hands. It's not a temple built by stones. It's a spiritual dimension. Because when you became born again, God created a spirit and gave you a spirit. That spirit is where, is where we'll go with him and live with him. The spirit, the flesh will fade. The soul will fade. But the spirit within us. Now my spirit knows the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to me the consciousness of God. And his thoughts towards me. This is why he gave the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Amen. He's the software. So we can operate and dialogue and interface between heaven. Does that make sense? Without the Holy Spirit, God has no way of communicating to us. On a regular, or let me say this, without the Spirit, there is no life in the Spirit. God always has a way of communicating because God can just speak from heaven. But the, the Holy Spirit's given so we can then pursue a life in the Spirit. If you go to Romans chapter 8, not now, Romans chapter 8 is all about life in the Spirit. I know about Romans 8. You and I know about it. Anyone who's been to the school of the prophets knows Romans 8. But for your mercy this morning, I'm not going there. But we need this dimension of heaven expressed in our lives. We're not waiting to get there. If we're in Christ, then the dimension's in us. You say, well, how come I can't experience what's on the other side? That's a different question. That's like saying... How, looking at someone's computer, how come I can't do what you do and I've got the same machine? The same machine carries the same software, let's just say it's Windows, carries the same software or Mac, whatever operating system you choose. So I don't want to offend any of them. But if I look at what someone, I can't do what he does and what Kevin does. They might give me the same machine, but I can't do it. Why? Because they've pressed in and pushed in to find out what this machine does. Yeah? Many of us have got Macs and all we use it for is an email. We look sexy. It's got great graphics. It turns on faster than you. It powers down better than you. It functions better than you. But half of us can't use it. That's the same with heaven. All of heaven is in me and you. Some men learn how to function. Some men discover how to operate heaven. And those who are just using it for email service say, he can't do that. But I beg to differ, if I'm doing it over here, but you're not doing it over there, you can't tell me it doesn't work. Why? Because the man with experience is never at the mercy of the man with a complaint or an argument. And when I was at that men's week, one of the guys doesn't come from an expressive church like this. They come from a, a pretty much traditional Challenge recorded me and then tried to oust me out because I, he said I was speaking uh, uh, heretic. He didn't even know what heresy is. I bet he couldn't even spell the word. But he didn't like the idea of I was challenging his framework. I was trying to upgrade him. You could see Windows is trying to update you. You could see it coming across his screen. Heaven is trying to upgrade you. And all of a sudden he kept flicking the machine off. He says, do not turn off 
Well, you are being reconfigured. But this dipstick kicked on a plush. That's what many of us do when heaven tries to upgrade us. It's true. You know, last time I spoke, we talked about how uh, if you want to live the days of heaven on earth, you must find access to God so that God can find access to you. That is the first part. You see, if I said to you this morning, do you have email? And you're, oh, sorry, do you have internet? And your response says to me, I'm not quite sure, you don't have it. Some of you haven't got that, have you? If I said to you, oh, let's make it a little bit easier. If I said to you, do you have a TV in your home? And you went, I'm not quite sure, you know you don't have it. If you can't tell an obvious piece of furniture like that is in your home, there's something wrong. Do you have kids? I don't know, do we? There's a problem somewhere. Yeah? So if I say to you, do you have email? And you go, I don't know, do we have email? No, you don't have it. Right? <laughs> Dorothy has it. You know you have it because you pay for it and you use it. Yes? So we must have access, find access to God so God can get access to us. That's the connection. You know, that's the superhighway of heaven can flow through me. It's called downloading, uploading. Amen? Download and upload. Make sure, you've got a, make sure your hard drive's clear, clean, so you get a virus protector on it. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you, flashes up, and it contains the virus. And then contains it so that you can deal with it. That's what we need to do in our lives. If we want to keep heaven clear, then we need to contain every virus of sin in our lives. Every sin. Because any sin we've got in our life will stop and will slow down the feed from heaven to earth. Do you understand that? Do you know when you've got rubbish on your machine, how slow it works, don't you? I don't you... I know you don't consider what you've got in your machine is rubbish, but your machine slows down because you've got junk on it. You've got things you don't need. Sounds like Christian to me. You've got things that you don't want other people to see, which sounds, think, yeah, sounds like Christians to me. Things that you've, you've got and you've collected that you don't longer need, but you feel if you get rid of them, you're empty. Sounds like a Christian to me. Yeah? You don't have to go through someone's cupboard to find out. You haven't used that in the last 12 months. You try and, part. You try and get them to part with it. You haven't used it for 12 months and you say to them, let's get rid of this, honey. No! Why? I might use it one day. What day is that going to be? You know I'm speaking to someone, don't you? We said if you want to live the days of heaven here on earth, you must become obedient to the last word that God spoke to you. If you can't be obedient to today's word, then why will God speak to you tomorrow? We must be obedient to the word that God speaks to us today, or he'll stop speaking in that area. What we're saying is when we can't obey God in that area, God can no longer progress with us in a certain way. Because disobedience is stopping us. The last thing we said was, if you want to live the days of heaven here on earth, you must live, you must learn to develop, to, uh, sorry, you must learn to live by the law of the spirit, which is a repentant heart. 
Be quick to repent. How many of you know that you have power to conceive things in your spirit? This is the power that God's given us, that when heaven speaks, we can conceive things in the spirit. Not perceive, conceive. If heaven wants to birth a dream or a vision inside a human being, he only has to speak. And when he speaks and it hits a person, you become pregnant in the spirit. It won't leave you. You wrestle with it. You know it's there. It's a life taking form. But at first, when you're a young Christian, they're just thoughts. You're not quite sure what's going on inside, but you do know something's going on inside, but you haven't got language for it. Does that make sense? Now, I'm sure if every man in here suddenly became pregnant, mysteriously became pregnant, because we've watched women... We've got language to use. You know what, darling? I feel like something's kicking inside. I feel I'm pregnant and we'd all start laughing. We'd borrow your language to describe what we've seen happening in you. And then we'd make you go into McDonald's and buy us all that daft food in the middle of the night. Like you've seen on the advert. Right? So, but it's possible for us spiritually to be carrying a baby. It's possible in the spirit to carry heaven's concept so it becomes a reality on the earth. It's possible. How many of you believe that? It's possible. You see, when you're young, you dream how, you know, your mum and dad tell you when you grow up, princess, you're going to find a lovely man. He's going he's to take you all away. He's going to give you a nice house. He's going to buy you all the cars you want and all the jewellery and all the handbags and all the high heels and wardrobes to put it all in. He's going to buy you all that, darling. And then he's going to tell you to get rid of half of it. But she starts having dreams of one day what her future's going to look like. Mr. Wright's going to come along. We're going to have a house. We're going to get it. We know we're going to be, we're going to be in love. We're going to raise children. And she starts to project her future. Based on what people have been telling her when she's young. True? So we start telling someone, Johnny, Johnny, what do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. Oh, Johnny, look, there's a fire. There's a fire engine. So Johnny gets excited. Yeah, Johnny, one day you're going to be a fireman. So Johnny thinks, oh, one day I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be able to go for red lights. I'm going to have a dirty on the, on the machine. And Johnny gets really excited because all day he's planning and he sees and he sows that I'm going to be in red. I'm going to have a great uniform. I'm going to be running upstairs. I'm going to be saving lives. Why? Because the picture's been painted for him. And then he applies for the job, can't get it, and then it becomes whatever. But all of a sudden, the picture was sown into his heart from a young age. What it can be. This is why when our children are young, we must speak to them even when they're in the womb. Speak to them, prophesy to them, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. Speak to them because kids can pick up the vibrations. Some people don't understand this. You speak negatively to a kid and watch how it turns out. So if, if that works, we know all that works, let's try the other, the other style. Let's try the other way, let's see if that works. So you prophesy to the child when it's in the mother's womb. Prophesy, your life's going to be this, God's going to use you this way. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. You start speaking, tell you what. It shapes the kid. The kid hears what's going on the outside. Don't ask me how, but it does. 
I don't know the science behind it, but I just know it works. So when the kid's born, you hold it in the, in the way it's special. You talk to it in the way it's special. You treat it in the way that it's special. And the kid grows up to what? Be special. Because that's the way we speak to children or should be able to speak to children. So you can plan all day long about what kind of future you're going to have. You can think about it all day long. But guess what? Thinking about it does not produce it. Does it? One day, you get a job. You have money. You go and buy the house. What kind of house? The house, hopefully, that you've dreamt of. One day. Now, young people, the first house is not the house you dreamt of. You know, us as parents, we still haven't living in, we're still not living in our dream house. Why? Because you lot came along. And you cost us money. So when you've left us and you've gone on to your life, we'll move into our house and we're not going to tell you where we live. But the first house is never the dream house. The first house feels like the dream house until kids come along. Then you realize we need more room. We need a spacious place. Sounds biblical to me. So we plan. We plan. And then one day, hopefully, we enter. We plan so we can enter. We think, and what we think about, we then begin to plan. What we plan, hopefully one day we begin to enter. True? So heaven thinks. Before the creation of the world, God thought about you. Right? So God thought. God planned. God actioned it so that you could enter. God thought a long time ago about you. He planned it. He actioned it with Jesus. And he's still actioning it now so that you can enter. That's why we can come into Zion. This spiritual dimension. So, when you dream, a dream very often is the connecting point to know, to discover what heaven is trying to deposit inside us. A dream. When you dream and you think about these things, it's called conceiving. You know, some days when you dream, you wake up, you can't shake it off. You ever noticed that? I once had a dream for two days. I wasn't dreaming all day, but two nights, should say. I had two nights of consecutive dreams. I couldn't shake it off. Couldn't shake it off. And heaven was trying to communicate to me something which will remain private. But I knew it was heaven. I was pregnant with it. I couldn't shake it off. I knew what was going to happen in advance. Heaven spoke to me two years ahead of what was about to take place. Why? Because God thought it. God planned. It was actioned. So I could enter. Psalm 94 verses 11 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man. And he also knows that they're futile. So if God knows the thoughts of men, and he knows they're futile, God needs to replace some of those thoughts with his thoughts. Psalm 94, verse 11, The Lord knows the thoughts of a man, and he knows they are futile. So even on your best day, your thoughts are not his thoughts. 
You, and, it, and the Bible is full of scriptures, I don't want to go into them this morning, that man plans his own way, but God determines our steps. You can plan, but God will determine. Amen? You will plan, but God will determine. In Jeremiah 29, and here we go, let's go, let's fly on this one. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, remember, God knows, God thinks, he plans, and he actions. Now listen, if God knows, and God plans, at some point he wants to let you in on what he knows. Does that make sense? At some point, God wants to let you know what he knows and what he has planned. Does that make sense? Because if he didn't let us know what he knows and what he planned, how could we ever join with him? How would we ever know what he knows? So, at some point, listen to what he says to Jeremiah. For I know the plans. Now, in, other, in the American Standard Version or in other translation, he says, thoughts. For I know the thoughts I have for you. Just stop there. Just hold that just a minute ago. God, you've got plans for me. At some point, listen, listen to me, church. Look, for a minute, this is serious. God, you've got plans for me, and at some point, you want to make them known. So what do I have to do to position myself so I can know what he's got for me? Now, anyone who's got grandkids or children, and you say to your kids, Guess what daddy's got for you? Now, how many of you know just that phrase alone is going to stir the child to, it's going to be inquisitive, mad. It's, what have you got? What have you got? What have you got? No, 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 yeah. No, you told me, dad, that you've got something for me. Now, are you a father that lies? No, son, I'm not. Well, show me. Well, not yet, son. Now, God doesn't play that kind of game. What he will do is, Son, let's you and I dialogue. So let's go back to the first principle. Find access to God so that God can get access to you. If God is going to make his plans known to us about heaven, what he's got planned for us, so there can be action on the earth, he must have access so that he can tell you. Now, how does he tell us? Many, many ways. Sometimes, prophecy. Other times, Someone will give you a word, a Bible verse. But there's no better way than him speaking to you personally first. So that when somebody does prophesy over you, it's a confirmation. Somebody else's voice cannot be the direction. Hello? Someone ever prophesies to me and I've never, I've not got no witness of it. I say, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll leave it there. Because their voice cannot become the guiding voice in my life. But I can feel things because I've conceived things in the spirit. I might not have language for it until somebody comes over and begins to speak. And then all of a sudden, that's what I feel. That's what I feel. I'll give you an example. A couple of months ago, I was in Birmingham. At Pastor Michael's church. And this guy came up to me and said, I just feel God's going to turn the hearts of the leaders in Manchester. And they're going to listen to your voice. Now... Have I heard that myself? God, heaven's already spoken that to me. That's been my prayer. God, turn, give us a key. Give us a, a handful of leaders we can start influencing in the city. Given, that's what the school of the prophets is all about. 
for that very reason. Give us a voice in the city. And then all of a sudden he begins to prophesy that over me. Guess what? I think, that's, that sounds like heaven to me. Why? Because heaven's already spoke that to me. Now, if he'd have said that initially, I could have turned around and said, you know, I'm going to be the cock of the city. That's not what heaven said. Never let someone else's voice become the guard, the, guard, the guide, should I? the guide in your life. Let heaven speak first, and then what somebody else speaks must become a backup, a confirmation, right? Because people are saying, well, I felt the Lord said this to me. Who told you? Well, someone gave me a prophecy on the way out of church. Yeah, that's why they were going out of the church. It would never happen, didn't it? What you should say is, I'm leaving this for your consideration. If it witnesses with you, wonderful. If not, just leave it. Let it go. Just let it go. What's the worst thing can happen? Just let it go. You can stone me another day. So for I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you, so once the, once the person receives this, then you'll call upon me. And come and pray to me. God, daddy, 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 let me know, let me know. What have you got? What have you got? Now they're conceived. Now now they're excited on the inside. Now they feel an owner of something. There's a seed of expectancy. Yes? There's a seed now living on the inside of me. I feel, I feel I want to do this for God. I feel I want to get up and do something for God. I want to serve God. God, I know you've got a plan for me. How do you want to use me? He says, now son, now I've got your attention. Let me show you my ways. Let me teach you my ways. Then you will call upon me and pray to me. And I will listen to you. God's going to listen to you now. You will seek me and find me. But when you seek me with all your heart, then I'll be found. So it involves your heart. It involves your mind. It involves your spirit. It involves you getting off your blessed assurance. And moving to find out what heaven has got for you. Because God, for I know the plans, the thoughts I have for you. Heaven's got thoughts about you. And you guess what? Heaven is pure. Its thoughts that to you are pure. God has real thoughts, real thoughts, real intentions towards you. But they've not become real to you yet. You have to being being born is a reality. It was a dream that your mum and dad carried. Then Through some biology, mum ends up being pregnant. Mum carries the child. Both parents are expecting, they're excited to one point, they're expecting to the point where they're going to bring what's been created into reality. There was a nine-month wait. That's general. And all that time they were expected, excited. Won't they? Why? Because they planned for this. But they don't know what the child's going to look like. They don't know what the child's going to, what it's going to turn out to be like. But that's the, that's the beauty of raising children. None of us have a handbook how to raise children. Do you know that? None of us were given a manual how to raise children. We learn by the hard school of knocks. But God doesn't. God raises us. By his own word. 
He's all, the manual's already there. He said, well, Lord, show me, how to, show me how to raise my little brat. He said, it's in there. I'll show you. I'll teach you. I'll give you patience. Oh, no, no. I said, teach him, not me. Patience is one of the things. Long-suffering. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Long-suffering. I think I caused my mum a bit of that. If you can hold a baby in your mind... You can hold heaven in your heart. If you can hold a baby in your mind, you can hold heaven in your heart because it's still waiting to be birthed. Soon as you find out you're pregnant, you're excited. Soon as heaven impregnates you, you get excited. You're aware there's life taking place on the inside. Amen? So only because of information, when you went to the doctor's, I feel a bit, you know, something's going on inside here. Doc, can you take a look at me? Okay, yeah, you're pregnant. <gasps> We're pregnant. <gasps> Can't believe it. This day that I always dreamt about was going to take place. Wow. Then you prepare. Then you prepare. Go to Luke chapter 1. When God speaks, when God speaks to us with real words, listen, when God speaks to us with real words, imaginations rise on the inside. Listen, this imagination is what helps us to conceive the things of the spirit. Yeah, this imagination helps us to hold This imagination helps us to carry. This imagination helps us to respond to what is speaking on the inside and filling our hearts. Yeah? When we do this, this is called being conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary, and the angel went to Mary, and he said to her, Greetings, Mary. You are are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name of Jesus. Just stop, stop there, stop there. We're not even married yet. We're not even married yet and you're talking to me about a child. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. So what's she doing? She's doing the opposite of what the angels just told her not to do. Don't be afraid. You found favor with God and you'll be with child and you'll... And, you know, you'll give birth to a son and you'll give him a name, Jesus. Whoa, whoa, can't we choose a name? No, because this is not your child. This is heaven's child. Okay, carry on. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Whoa, 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 what's wrong with Joseph? Mary, stop interrupting. Listen. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. It's a fair question, isn't it? Since I'm a virgin. Now, she's thinking in her mind, it's a problem. It's a problem, I'm a virgin. We've not done that thing. We're not married. He says, it's okay. It's not going to be his. It's going to be his. What? What, you're going to send a man from heaven? No, no. The man's going to be a baby. Heaven is going to impregnate you with heaven's dream. This is the father's dream. 
This is the father's plan. Now the father is ready to action what he's thought about. When, we, when we're reading the Bible about thoughts that God had, it's called the preordained or the foreordained thoughts of God. He thought about it before and he's known about it for a long, long time. He saw this day coming. So he says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born. He will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who was said to, who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. This is what she says. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. The angel chose Mary. Because, sorry, God chose Mary because heaven always knew what Mary's response would be. Do you realize that? There are some dreams that God can't give to you because he knows if he tells you, your response would be wrong. Heaven can't manifest in some people, though it's created to manifest in everyone. Why? Because our responses with heaven are not always accurate. Church, you need to listen to this. Mary asked a genuine question. How will this be? I'm a virgin. It's a fair question. And when he spoke about John the Baptist, John the ba if you trace the story, John the Baptist's father was a priest. And him and his wife were struggling to have a child. And the angel turns up and says, John, uh, Zachariah, you're going to have a child. And he says, huh, prove it. And, angel, and, and it was a different kind of response. And because he couldn't prove it, because the angel didn't need to prove it, he says, I'm Gabriel, I've come from heaven. I know what I carry. I've come from the other side. I've come to make known to you the dream of the king. And this is the response you give to heaven. Because of this, you're now going to be dumb. Do you realize he couldn't validate and affirm his own son? He couldn't speak to the baby in the womb. Why? Because if his response to heaven was wrong. He couldn't affirm his own son. The power of the voice is everything. See, when you conceive things... In the spirit, you then hold on to them. You're told to stand in faith and believe for them. Hello? When you conceive things in your heart by the spirit, you believe. You're told to hold on, stand in faith, pray into him until the day of fulfillment comes. You must always carry the dream. Always carry a dream. See, my dreams... Me being here, doing what I'm doing, is the result of heaven impregnating me many times over the years. It is. To see some of the things in our lives, to see things happening in your life, the things that we've dreamt about, talked about, prayed about, prayed into, lived them out, so that you could inherit those things. They're my dreams as well. To see you healed is my dream. But he provided it. To see you walk righteously, to see you succeed is my dream also. Because that's what we labored for. So that you could become prosperous. You could, you could progress. You could find protection 
in your own life. That's our dream. That's not just yours. That's what we labored so that you could enter into. So when we see you prosperous, we're prosperous in heart because you're prosperous. It's not, nothing to do with your money. We're about prosperous in life. If you are progressing in life, we're pleased about your progression because it's everything that we've, we've empowered you to become. We're not saying that your progression is solely upon us. It's not. It's about many things, but we've played a part. When we see this young generation in church today, we're not taking away what their mums and fathers have done, but we're also stating our claim that we've also labored with you. True? We all bring something to the party. So it's our dream. It's a corporate dream. But only in the church does someone prosper and then wants to be theirs. They expect us to labor. Pray, pray, pray. Everyone get praying, praying, praying for me. And then when they get well and, they, and they're up and running, they're not thinking about you. That's called children. Mum and dad labor so Johnny and Sally can be great. Send them to university only to find out Johnny and Sally never ring home. You got a phone up, you know, Dad, I'm just too busy. Just too busy. Told you, ring your mum and dad. Well, mum, we're too busy. Get off me back. Kids don't think like that. Don't think about what you've labored for. Kids are quite selfish. That's called being a kid. You've done it. You're no different. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is being sure. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. How can we stand in faith if heaven has not spoken to us about his thoughts and his plans? Hello? We need this word inside us. We need the Father speaking to us so we stand in faith to believe that what he said will come to pass. Heaven must speak. Very often we're asking Christians to stand in faith and they've never heard God. They've got no voice of the Father on the inside speaking to them. You see, again, let's go back to the children. The children such a, 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 an easy illustration to use. When your kids are growing up from 13 upwards, how many of you know they think they, they know how to craft a better future? And all the parents went, see, just talking about you. They do, don't they? Because they've got a mind and they've got a will. But what they don't have is the knowledge you have. And they don't have the experience that you have. But all young people think, well, I, I saw it, I'll make my own way. We all do it. We've done it. But kids think that we were never kids. Don't they? They never think that we were kids once. They think, I think they think that we grew up, we were born adults. They do. And then you show them the evidence, pictures. Oh, you were small once. Yes. They don't see it. And we try and help them to stand in faith, believing that what we're telling them is the right information. Do, they, do we not? And we keep telling them until we're blue in the face. True? How many times do we have to have this conversation? Is one line. How many times has your dad told you? 
How many times has mum said this? And we keep saying it because we know, we believe it to be the, the right way. And we keep, we don't call it faith. We don't call it faith. We believe it. We call it wisdom. And, we, and now we're trying to hold, keep, keep our kids in the influence, under the influence, that they'll hold on to what we're telling them and teaching them so they won't go astray. So they won't get hurt. But our young people don't see that because they think, Mom, you're just old. You never had fun in your day. Even your makeup wasn't max factor. <laughs> Even your makeup was this. Oh, look, Mum, you look a geek in that. They think they've got the image rights to cool. It's true. And I never thought I'd be here one day saying these things. I always thought, Dad, you're wrong and I'll prove you're wrong. And slowly but surely, you can see you coming around and you think, oh no, I'm going to have to tell him he was right. And then you, you don't want to see that smirk on the face, do you? They tell you so. Shut up, don't want to hear it. I know. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, however, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, however it is written, are you ready for this? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except, listen, the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For the foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Wow. God plans. God thinks. God plans. God actions. So that you can enter. If God doesn't speak to you. If God doesn't speak to you. The things that he's thought about you. By the spirit of God. You will never enter. Into what he's planned. Mary discovered that. Heaven had chosen. Carefully selected out of all the women. That's why it says heaven said. Mary you are highly favored. You have passed our test. You have passed heaven's test. Heaven was pleased to interface with you. Heaven is pleased to download the very, very most precious commodity that this world has ever, ever had. The, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary, you've been chosen to carry that seed. How will this be? Good question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and he'll overshadow you. The Holy Spirit did it then and he's still doing it now. The Holy Spirit must come upon us and overshadow us and speak what the Father is declaring in the heavens so that you can carry what was, known, was once kept a secret in heaven, you can now carry it in your heart. 
so it can be manifested on the earth. Now, when you're carrying heaven's dream, you get heaven's authority. You get all the backing of heaven to carry out what heaven is speaking into you. Now, listen, God is not randomly selecting a Mary in here no more. The moment Jesus Christ died for you and you became born again, you have been selected. It isn't the best out of all of us now. It is the most observant. It's the most responsive out of all of us. Heaven will speak to us if it can, if it can communicate. If God can get access to you, God will speak to you. He will. He will. Your faith is not based on fleshly human desires, but it's based on what God spoke. Amen? Faith will not work if, every, if everything in the natural realm is just natural. You said, um, you and I must see as it is in heaven, we must see as it is in heaven, so shall it become on the earth. As we feel it in our hearts, we see it in the spirit. We can't conceive with our natural mind because it's heavenly. We just read that in Corinthians. God has put it into our hearts so that we can see it as it is, so that we can action it on the earth. Amen? Coming to a close in a minute. We cannot conceive things by the Spirit if the Spirit does not speak. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. The spirit was descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert. Now, you see heaven here is exploding on the scene. All of heaven is involved. Jesus is being baptized by John because that was the way John wanted, you know, uh, to be baptized. Jesus said, no, you must do it to me. The heaven is torn open so that the earth could hear what the heavens thought, planned, and was now actioning. Heaven had to open. Why? Because the Holy Spirit at this point, was not given to believers on the inside. That's why you needed prophets to tell them what God was saying. So now heaven opens up. He says, it's almost like he's saying, prophets, stand back. This is my shout. This is my son. I'm going to speak to him. It's now my moment. Heaven and earth is going to record this fantastic moment. He tears the heavens, not peels them back. Tears them open. And heaven begins to speak. A son is affirmed and validated by the words of his father. A son is glorified by the words of his father. This is an epic moment. Epic moment. And everyone, everyone audibly hears it. 
So heaven speaks, the earth responds, the Holy Spirit's involved, the Father's involved, Jesus is involved, Jesus sees the Holy Ghost coming on him, he hears the voice of his Father, all of heaven is involved in impregnating what heaven wants to impregnate in Jesus. Now here's the key. The first thing to get into our hearts is this. When heaven speaks to you, I want you to go on with this thought today. When heaven speaks to you, it's so as to validate you as a son and a daughter. It's to validate you, to say you're worth it. You're mine. You were thought about before the foundation of the world. We put plans to get you here. We've actioned it so that you could have a part in what, we, what was secretly taking place behind the veil. Me, my Father, and the Holy... Sorry, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Ghost now wants to bring you to where they are. Now, what's just happened in, in, in Australia, uh, my son, they go on a camp and they do what we, our version of man up. When we took man up. And one of the things that they have to do is some of these men from all walks of life. Now, in Scott's class this year, they're all pretty much young. Scott's the oldest. They go all the way down up to 19, from 27, 28 sorry, to 19. And what they do, they work through the man-up thing. And at the end of the night, when it's all finished, they have the campfire, and all the lads receive letters from the fathers. So I was asked to write my letter months before he gets there. And when I write my letter, I'm crying my eyes out. And then... Carol reads it, and she's blubbering her eyes out, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I said, so Carol, can we have a read of that letter? I said, Carol, I can't read it anymore. It's just messing me up. Because it's, it's a father's affection to his own son. And I don't know how Scott's going to take it. But I just know everything inside me is being released. And I just sat down at my desk, and I said, Holy Ghost, you know what he needs to hear. I don't. So, Lord, I will start writing. And I know when I write, I can write. But, you know, to, to the Holy Ghost credit, every time I've invited the Holy Ghost to write for me, hit home run every time. So, I didn't write from emotion, but emotions were in there. Tons of them were there. And I sits back and I'm crying. I'm thinking, man up, you muppet. <laughs> He's not here right now, and I'm thinking, I hope someone doesn't come upstairs because they're going, oh, yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game, hell of a game. You know, it's one of those. Did you see that game last night? <laughs> I'm crying because Brazil got beat 7-1. <laughs> so I'm writing me a letter. Brazil, I hadn't even played them. So I'm writing me a letter, and, and uh, I send Carol a copy of it, and she's crying her eyes out. So we knew how we felt about it. So we gives it to him. Oh, he gives it to a person in Malaysia who was, who was from their church. And uh, it was silent. Nothing. And he's like the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? When you're having a talk with him, you're thinking, did he get the letter? 
oh, didn't you get the letter? So I emailed the, the, the lady stay, who, who they're staying with. I said to him, elephant in the room. I said, code name, elephant in the room. I said, has the elephant been removed? Right? Snow goose to base camp. Is the elephant been removed? Code, I'm back. Uh, message come back. I'm pleased to announce the elephant is now out of the room. You're now free to talk. He didn't speak to me for three weeks after that. Not because of the letter. We just couldn't connect with the time difference. So I'm thinking, I said, Kel, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him how it went. And only kids could do this, can't they? Only kids can do Son, I believe you received a little letter the other day. Oh, yeah, Dad. It was pretty, uh, pretty hot, Dad. So I'm thinking, come on, son, give me a bit more. Keep tears out here. Give me something. You know what I mean? I, I flipping wet for you, you sucker. <laughs> Poured myself out for you. So he says, and this is what he said to me. He said, Dad, I have something in this class. Me and someone else. He said, this, me and another lad. We have something in this class. He said, but no one else has in this class. I said, what's that, son? He said, a father that loves us. Yeah. So you give the pad to your mother. <laughs> give the pad to your mother. She's like. <laughs> so the older you get, you just get worse, don't you? I didn't realise I had that much water in me. So he says to me, I'm always going to the toilet. I didn't think there was any left. <laughs> so I says to him, son, that's good. And he says, dad. And he starts telling me about some of the lads in the, in the in the class and how they, when they open the letter and they just burst out crying. He said, I didn't even know my dad could write. He said, never <laughs> write a letter. He said, I just didn't even know my dad cared and things. And you just, you realize that this power of affirmation, if heaven doesn't speak into these boys, they've no way of knowing the heavenly father's value. See, we know the price of everything, but we don't know the value. You see, some of us don't even know the price it, it takes to run a church, to have a church. But some of us value. And it's that value that when God sees the value in your heart, and when he sees the value in your heart, he then begins to affirm and speak a letter. If God was to speak, I mean, God's wrote a love letter to us. But if God was to just put his thoughts down on paper towards you, we haven't got, there's not enough room in the Bible. Now, I know we don't know that. That's why heaven has to speak. You will never stand in faith, believe in faith, holding on in faith. This word that, uh, that, takes, uh, that acts like an anchor. How asking people to hold on to a word without, um, without them ever discovering the voice of the Father on the other side saying, with you I am well pleased. How would we ever going to raise this generation to understand that? Because the only voice they listen to is the voice of their natural mum and fathers. That's why heaven has to speak on the inside of them. We have to connect them to heaven quicker so that heaven begins to speak. And what heaven speaks, when they hear it from the natural parents, they begin, you know what? I've heard God say that to me. They stop wrestling. The issue is, is that you as a parent want to control your kids but you don't, you don't connect to him so that heaven can speak. Believe me, heaven is the greater influence. When heaven speaks to them, it humbles you. It melts you. This is the kind of word that God wants us to carry. How many of you believe that? 
So we can hear, just as God said that about his own son, he's never stopped saying it about us. He wrote a whole book just so he could get his thoughts towards you out there. Men have suffered. Men have died horribly to carry this message so that you can hear the father say, well done. See, you may have a great earthly father. Scott's got a good father. I'll let him determine whether it's great. But he says to me, Dad, I've got what these haven't got. But then he said, and this is what he says to me. He said, Dad, I am so glad you wrote it down. He said, Dad, you won't believe how many times I've read it. I think it, oh. Oh, um, um, tell you, it melts me. It melts me. Because it's, it's, this is not the relationship I had with my father. But this is, the, this is the, the, the dimension of someone who's been healed. This is why I can speak about fathering. Because there's no, there's no darkness in my past. Scott's heard the story of me and my father. But now I can say it to my son. Now Scott can say it to his kids. Now the history's changed in our family. Granddad may not have got it right with dad. He did eventually. But now dad's got it right with, with me. And guess what? I'm going after Laura next. Got to do it. You might sit there and cry. It's worth, it's worth a lot of tears. But guess what? It's more important that they know that you affirm them. But when I speak to my own daughter, I'll speak from heaven. I want her to know heaven affirms her. Doesn't like what she's doing. Uh-huh. Doesn't like what she's doing. But it affirms her. Why? Because God created her. She came from our loins. He thought about her. He planned her. We actioned it so that she could enter. Let's stand to our feet. I trust it was worth staying in for this morning, young people. Many of our young people are messed up because they've got nobody to tell them these things. Many of us older other guys are messed up because we had no one to tell us. But thank God I obeyed the Holy Ghost. Thank God you're going to obey the Holy Ghost now. Not many amens there now. Just raise your hands if you will. By this day's out, by the time this day has finished and the sun has gone down and you put your head on the pillar, heaven is going to speak to you. Heaven's going to speak to you about his son. Because he's not stopped speaking about his son. Hear me? By the, by the day I make a declaration, by the end of this day, by the time you put your head on the pillar, heaven will speak to you. It'll be a thought. It'll be something that grabs your attention. And as it comes across, take hold of it and say, Father, I recognize the voice. What are you saying to me? Begin to meditate on it. Think about it. Don't naturalize it. Just think about it. And say, Holy Ghost, sow it into my heart. Never let it go. Then what you do is you're going to water it. You're going to start praying about that. Never forgetting what heaven's spoken. You're just going to keep praying about it. Lord, let your will come. Show me. Change me. Transform me. And God will speak more to you. He'll keep on speaking to you 
about that which you take responsibility for. I guarantee it. From this day on, heaven will begin to begin to invade your life daily. And you'll hear heaven's voice speak more and more. And you yourself will hear those words if you need to hear them. Only if you need to hear them. You are my son. You are my daughter. You were created before time began. I saw you from afar. It was I who spoke you into being. It was I who knitted you in your mother's womb. It was I who brought you forth. You say, Lord, but, but I, had a bad, bad up, I had a bad start. I had bad parents. He said, I, you know, that's different. That's people's choices. But I got you on this earth. I brought you onto this earth so that you could hear about my word. So that I could change your past and give you a better future. Your father's not stopped thinking about you. Bringing you to this day. I engineered it sovereignly by my hand, says the Lord. So that you could have peace, progress, provision. Think about what you'll eat tomorrow. Think about what you will eat tomorrow. Feed on this word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.